This is a Thriving in Ministry podcast brought to you by Daily Pastor. At Daily Pastor, we know that church leaders want to be better equipped for ministry. You need encouragement to not just survive, but thrive in the place where God has called you. On today's episode of the Thriving in Ministry podcast, we're going to be talking with our first three-peat guest, Carl Walker, founder of Ingetti Retreat, a ministry that focuses on helping pastors get the rest they need. Carl has extensive experience ministering to pastors, but today he's going to share some advice uh, with us based on his ministry of helping hundreds of pastors. You're going to hear some practical tips, some do's and don'ts, advice, counsel, uh, all that from a man that God has used to bless a lot of pastors and ministry leaders. I'm Kyle Willis, and as always, we're joined by Dace Clifton, the founder of DailyPastor.com. Hey, welcome back to the show, Carl. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Now, real quick, um, this is going to be a shorter episode, I think. Uh, so I'm going to steal Dace's question because he gives us some like really <laughs> thought-provoking question. Uh, hey, Dace, um, last <laughs> Dace, last time we shared about authenticity, uh, what is one thing uh, that you want to share with us today that uh, you have yet to tell someone else? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Wait a this is not what we talked about. <laughs> it was no okay i'm totally caught off guard here you know i'm really gonna have to shame myself in some way to keep our listeners engaged here so let me think just for a second i'm joking you really don't have to do that if i had something interesting to to share you know, then definitely I'm, I'm trying to think I'm a pretty boring guy. I know Okay, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to assign one to you. You're going to assign one. Okay. Uh, we're going to make up secrets real quick. You'll assign one to Carl and he can do it back to me. If you guys don't know, you listening today, Dace Clifton is a huge fan of share. That is right. Share is his favorite uh, artist. So, Dace, uh, why don't you throw it at Carl and we'll circle this back around. Well, okay. All right. Well, if you don't know this. Carl, he is a master at baking bread. He loves to bake. I mean, he does the, you know, he flies planes, you know, he does jujitsu, all that. But there's nothing Carl likes better than getting that mixing bowl going and making some cinnamon bread. Yeah. (laughs) And what you probably don't know about Kyle is that Kyle can spend endless hours staring at but never turning a Rubik's Cube. I'm holding this Rubik's Cube, fiddling with it. Dad gum, this backfired. Um, so as we are talking about advice and counsel today, um, man, put some good people around you like Carl and Dace to call you out on your Rubik's Cube. Oh, well uh, hey, Dace, we always start with the verse of the day. Can you, uh, can you get after it today? Proverbs twelve fifteen. The way of a fool is right in his own eye, but a wise man listens to advice. So I thought it was an appropriate verse because, hey, this is a free advice show, right? I mean, we're giving advice, but in all seriousness, hopefully the advice you're getting here on the Thriving in Ministry podcast, honestly, it's to encourage pastors to stay in the fight, pursue their calling, follow Jesus. And hey, we're here to cheer you along. And guys, I'm thankful for both of you guys in this. And Carl, you know, I don't know how we got you on the show for a third time, but let me say this. You have a lot of experience with pastors 
and you've worked you, through your ministry at Engedi Retreat. I think several hundred pastors, actually, you've worked with them. And so really excited about digging into our topic today, some of the advice, some of the counsel that you've got to share from your real-world experience of, of ministering to hundreds of pastors. Yeah, glad to be here, guys. Glad to be here. Carl, let's uh, let's get right after it again and say, hey, what are some of the things, what are the do's or don'ts uh, that you would say you've learned along the way after working with pastors and, and church leaders? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Let's start out with some of the big ones. <clears throat> um, since we, since Engedi Retreat is focused around rest and healthy rest patterns, one of the really good practical tips that I give pastors is this. Don't leave a period of rest without planning for the next one. Wow. So when you're in rest and you've had a good time to rest, whether it's a vacation or a Sabbath day, you generally start to find like, man, I'm really healthy. This feels really good. I should do this more often. But then you don't, you get out of it and then you find yourself three or four months down the road. You haven't planned another one. So one of the habits I've gotten into is that anytime I'm on vacation with my family, anytime I'm in a rest period, we sit down before the end of that. And I say, hey, guys, let's talk about when the next period of rest is. We put it on the calendar. We start planning for it. We start saving for it. We're intentional about it. Carl, you're absolutely right. I can't think of a better piece of advice, really, when you talk about uh, when you talk about taking uh, and planning rest on the back end of that last season. And I love what you said in one of our earlier episodes. You talked about how rest is a part of our ministry, right? You know, we, we don't separate it. You know, that what's happening there in in that time of rest, you know, being recharged by God. You know, I think about like a knife, you know, on a whetstone. It's being sharpened, right? The The tool is being worked. And uh, rest is not my idea. It's not your idea. It's God's idea. And so how profitable it is. So that's great advice. And we can flip right over to one of, maybe we can do some do's and don'ts here. Uh, that was kind of a don't, uh, don't leave a period of rest without planning for the next one. Uh, here's a big, big do one that I think pastors could probably work with a lot. And I might ruffle some feathers when I say this, but <clears throat> the great commission was to go make disciples. The great commission was not to go make sermons. So mm. I really, really encourage it. Do go make disciples. Okay. Remember, remember uh, uh, 20 years ago when we used to all wear those bracelets that said, WWJD, what would Jesus do? I, I started to come to the realization that those were like the dumbest things ever. They were like, so they, cool, though. How could you do that, girl? I know. They were so cool. Okay, so here's why I say that. What would Jesus do starts with the assumption that Jesus would be where you're at. And I think so many times that when we ask that question, Jesus' response to us would be, Carl, I wouldn't be standing anywhere near you. You've taken so many wrong turns. Like you're asking me to choose A, B, or C. None of those are the path that I would have taken. So what I started to do in my own life, instead of saying, what would Jesus do, WWJD, I started to ask WDJD, which is what did Jesus do? And Jesus went and made disciples. He was intentionally finding men and training them for what purpose? To replace him. He was going. He was leaving. He gave them instruction. He gave them counsel. And then he told them, go do this. Go do the healing. Go do the teaching. And he watched them through all of that so that when he died, there were 12 or more men who were on it. Like they were ready to go. And pastors don't do this very well. We don't disciple men and women very well so that when we need to take a time of rest or something worse than that happens, we have to care for a family member or we get sick. Uh, we have no one to back us up. So I would say one bit of practical advice is do make disciples. 
If you have to spend a little less time sermon planning, spend a lot more time involving people in the process. One of the great ways I've seen this happen is I know a pastor who does not do any sermon planning solo. He has five men and I think two women in his church. They meet together every week. They brainstorm ideas. He gives them things to research. He gives them things to write on. And then they all come back to him. They all conglomerate together and put this sermon together. And then he preaches it. And guess what? Now he's giving it to them to preach. He's actually discipling people. So I would say this, what did Jesus do? Go do it. Man, that's great advice. And, you know, it reminds me of another statement. I think Robbie Gallaty says it like this. He says, Jesus was not available all the time. And I think he says that in his book. I can't remember if it's growing up or firmly planted, but for me, that was profound. You just, because I'm like, you just hit the second uh, don't point. <laughs> <laughs> that transition not even scripted. I don't think you can get my notes or something. The Aww. second don't the second don't for pastors is don't be on call all the time. Boom. Don't you, you are not everything to everybody. Uh the healthiest pastors I know have a rotating a, a, an intentional rotating people of who is on call at the church. The pastor is not always on call. The health the way I would suggest doing this is set this up so that the pastor is on call about one week out of the month, maybe one week out of every six. Then start assigning those to elders, deacons, other men and women you trust. Why? Well, because we're making disciples when we do this. It's a wonderful way to, to back away from ministry a little bit and give ourselves some margin. So don't uh, be on call all the time. So I'm going to be authentic since, uh, you know, we talked about authenticity last time. I've got to tell you, you know, this really for me, you know, I came across that about two years ago and it was just kind of just slapped me upside the face. And I'm like, man, what am I doing? You know, with this <laughs> feeling like I've always got to be available on my, my telephone, you know, this, I don't know if it's insecurity, Carl, I don't know what it is, but it's like somebody called me. I've got to answer that call right now. Exactly. No, you don't have to answer that right now. They text me. I don't have to respond to that right now. In fact, I might not get to it till tomorrow or whatever. You know, so I mean, I know that our, probably our listeners are all across the spectrum, but I was one of those and I'm working on it to where, hey, you know what? Right now we're with our family. We're, we're hanging out with our kids. You know, we're, we're, we're spending time. I'm spending time with my wife. And so it's not a time to be checking email, answering a telephone call from somebody who it can wait, you know? Yep. It can so, wait. Good advice. Yeah. So another one, uh, another don't here uh, is don't uh, take your phone home. No, I'm serious. I mean, like there, I know a guy who has, who had two phones. He had his work phone and his personal phone. Um, and, uh, maybe that's why he's no longer employed, but he didn't take his work <laughs> phone uh, home with him. And I remember being like, man, how did that work? But, but in all seriousness, I mean, it was like, um, and, and he worked a lot of hours. So sometimes he'd be there till seven, eight o'clock at night. But when, when it was time for him to check out of one thing, he fully checked into the next. So, um, Hey, I'm trying to add to your list here, Carl. What's uh, what's your next video? Actually, you just you just did. You just put in the exact thing I was going to talk about next. You guys are getting really good at this. We didn't we didn't plan this if anybody's listening, I promise. The next do that I have for pastors is do have boundaries. And that's exactly what you just talked yeah. about, Kyle. Is he had boundaries. He knew when he was at work, he knew when he was not at work. Now, as a pastor, as a leader, that can be difficult. Those lines can get blurred. I totally understand that. But we need to accept the fact that we are not the culmination of all intelligent life, yeah. right? And so if we're not good at something, we shouldn't be doing it. 
if, if you're not good at building projects, then don't be on the building committee as the pastor. If you're not very good at parking lot or internet or security or the food pantry committee, don't do those things. Have boundaries for yourself. Okay. Here's why. If you try and do all the things you're not good at, you are robbing the opportunity from somebody else to grow in the Lord. That is, it is not your job. Your job is to help other people become full in Christ. And in order to do that, you have to do just what Jesus did. And that is to say, go out, preach, even though I know you're not going to preach as good as I can. Go out and heal, even though you're going to come back to me and say, sometimes we can't heal people. That's okay. Their failings that they have in their ministry will be covered by the grace of God. So do have boundaries. Set those clearly. Definitely sit down and set those with your spouse. Sit down and say, help me with these boundaries. Your spouse is going to have some really good ideas about how to help you with that. Carl, do you get some pushback sometimes from pastors? Because I think if there's an area, there's a lie here. There's a lie that that says, I've always got to be available or, or then nobody else can do it. Right? I mean, I think that maybe that's the lie. Nobody else can do it. Um, do you ever get any pastors yeah. talking like that? Yeah, I, I get lots of, we get, I get lots of pushback from pastors on this. Um, you know, one of the things that's been really challenging for me as a, as a leader in our church is to really take a look at the biblical example of a multitude of leaders. You know, the Bible's really clear. It says an elder is, should be preaching and teaching. But how many churches do you know where the average elder is preaching on a regular basis? Not many. Okay. That, that's not biblical. They should be preaching and teaching. That's something they should be doing. So if we're going to set these boundaries, we have to, we have to accept the fact that, and, and this gets into my next don't, okay. Don't have pulpit pride. Okay. It, this is not about the pulpit. This is not about your preaching. This is about discipleship. And it doesn't matter if you have 15 people in your church or 1500 people in your church, do well with what God has called you to do well with. If that means you can only disciple three or four people, hey, great. That's that's an opportunity from God. You know, Jesus had 12, and he was doing this full-time with all the help he could get from God, and he had 12 that he really, really cared about. So pulpit pride is a huge problem in our churches. Pastors want to get up there and speak. They get affirmation from that. They have this sense of like, yeah, I did it. I did it. And that we have to draw away from that. And the only practical advice I can give on drawing away from that is to actually step down and let other people preach. You'd be amazed at, at how much that can do for you. And I think one of the things that, um, you know, I was going to say after even thinking about your last point is, hey, you may be in a season where uh, you have to do it all. You know, you may be in a busy season. You may be uh, in the middle of a building project. You know, you may be having to preach for the next six months, but when that becomes the routine or the expectation, that's when there's a real problem. You know, I'm in a busy season now. I've got two kids, a a relatively newborn, you know, starting our business, working with churches, doing a pot. I mean, I do a lot of stuff, so I am busy, but dadgummit, if I'm this busy next time, next year, uh, this time next year, uh, then I got a problem. And so, um, I think that's the encouragement to, to pastors being like, Hey, and, and frankly, if you're in that season, you've probably been in that season twice as long as you really should have. Kyle, when we started this podcast, you had a full head of hair, man. I mean, that was only like six months ago. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah well, that, that was more due to the Rubik's Cube days. Uh, that's terrible. I'm not even a friend. Am I? I apologize. That was uncalled for. I'm sorry. 
Okay, well, um, Carl's last do point is do make fun of Dace Clifton. Uh, don't make fun of Kyle. So, uh, Carl, what's your last point? And I hope this is directed not towards me. Yeah, no, actually, it's it's pretty interesting that you were, you know, we, we, we joke about that, right? We joke about the fact that you don't have hair, but that leads right into the next point, which is strangely enough. Um, do have close friends. That is like super, super important. And I heard a really powerful uh, lesson on this once. And it was a guy, a, a pastor who was talking about friendship. And one of the things he stuck with me that has stuck with me for a very, very, very long time in this is that he said, your best friend is the one who tells you the most direct truth the most often. Yeah. And your best friend is the person who cares more about you than they care about their relationship with you. You need men and women in your life like that. You need to foster and develop and sacrifice for those relationships. I have intentionally sought out friends like that for the past six or seven years. And I now have, I'm, I'm very happy to say, I now have a group of friends in, in about the 10 range who are happy to call me out and call it like it is and say, Hey, look, you've been working so hard. You're starting to lose your hair. You've been working so hard. You're starting to sacrifice too much time for this. And you're starting to disconnect with your family. So if you don't have those kind of people speaking into your life, if you're not kind of hearing some of that, and and here's the judge for that. If you're hearing some pretty challenging things from people on a regular basis about what you're doing, then there might be a good chance you have friends like this. If you haven't heard anything challenging in a long time, there's a good chance you don't really have any cultivated friendships that care more about you than they care about their relationship with you. So definitely do have some close friends in this fight. Well, let me rebound it in the spirit of authenticity. And, uh, you know, I'm going to get my tissue here just for a minute, but that is one of the reasons. And I've told my wife this about you, Kyle, what I'm about to tell you, man, I have never told you this. But I told my wife, I said, one of the reasons why I like Kyle so much is because for me, and you might be handling me with your kid gloves, but every once in a while you'll say, hey, Dace, I love you, man. But hey, man, don't do this. Don't do that. And uh, man, I, I never have told you how much I appreciate that. So Kyle, thank you for tolerating my comments, my snide remarks, all of that, and loving me enough to tell me when I've got a booger on my nose. I appreciate it, man. <laughs> well, and, and no, I, I appreciate that, Dace. And, and uh, you know, it's it's amazing. I would say, uh, frankly, to to tie some of these conversations together that we've we've had with Carl is that um, you know it's it's the authenticity. Uh, it's it's being able to uh, bring our full selves and and uh, engage around this uh, and engage around encouraging pastors and and helping them to thrive in ministry. Um, you know, that, that's what brought, brought this together. And, and so, uh, you know, I'm the emotional one of the two of us. So, uh, you know, I gotta go find my Kleenex here, but <laughs> no, hey, I appreciate you sharing that. And, and frankly, you know, as, as we get to talk, uh, with amazing people, um, like Carl Walker, like, uh, Mona Dixon, who we had on, like, uh, Trey Dixon, <laughs> like, uh, I mean, I'm just trying to think, uh, Aaron Halstead. I mean, some of these amazing people that we've had, uh, get to get a chance to talk to on the thriving ministry podcast. It's just been, um, really beneficial. And it's been encouraging to me. And so, um, do, 
uh, continue to be authentic with me. Uh, you lift church leaders listening here, uh, be authentic, email us, reach out to us. We want to hear from you. This can be lonely if you like it. Um, you know, seriously, tell us that, uh, if you don't just, just tell us that too. Um, but, but seriously, like this is, uh, we're here to serve each other, serve our God, uh, and serve the capital C church. And so, Hey, you know, we really just appreciate, um, you Dace. I appreciate the vision there, Carl, appreciate you joining uh, us today and, um, man, uh, great tips for, uh, pastors listening. Um, I know, uh, they were blessed by these, uh, few do's and don'ts today. Yeah, absolutely. It's been really good. And, you know, some, sometimes some of the most profound stuff in our life is just that, that simple truth that, Hey, it's time to get boundaries in place. Hey, you need to take a trip. You need to do something you're passionate about. And Carl, that's one thing I love about your counsel and your wisdom, man, you always, you know, dial it in right to the heart of the matter. And so Carl, before we shut it down today, Hey, any final word you want to give pastors listening, any final thing you want to cover before we shut it down? Yeah, I think one of the things that I could tell pastors that I, I try and bring up a lot <clears throat> is don't don't try and conquer your church. This isn't this isn't about how many people come to your church. This isn't about your building campaign. This isn't about how many people you baptize. I, I tell pastors all the time, I don't care how big your church is. I don't care how many people come to listen to you pontificate. Like I only care if success is obedience. Like if we could learn to be obedient, we would find much grace. We would find much rest. And if God calls us to serve a tiny, tiny little church with 10 people at it, can we be content with that? Do we have to constantly have a growth plan or can we leave that up to God and have the faith that I am serving where God wants me at the capacity level he needs me at? And really, really lean into that. I try and encourage pastors, lean into God. Stop with the expectations. Stop comparing yourself to the church next door. And just focus on what God is asking you to do. I guarantee it'll be enough. You'll have enough issues if you just listen to Him. And the benefit of having those issues if you listen to Him is you won't have to worry about the other issues that you brought upon yourself. You can just worry about the ones He wanted you to do. So I really appreciate you guys having me here. Uh, it's been a real blessing for me to share this. Uh, and so I just wish you guys the best and hope to see you soon again. Well, we look forward to the next time we're going to get to talk. And, you know, I'm just thinking that uh, maybe the next time needs to be um, up there on the ski mountain before this. I'm trying to convince my wife of that, you know, right. You know, Hey, cut me loose for a couple of days. You know, I need to go, we need to do record an episode in person. <laughs> I know you live out, uh, you know, outside of Breckenridge. In I'm like, person. I'm out here in Texas, you know, it's, flat and terrible, you know? And so I'm like, man, <laughs> for the glory of God, if I could give out, yeah, but she's not buying it. She's not buying it, but nevertheless, going to have you on the show again. And uh, one day maybe we'll be up there uh, recording live from uh, off of a chairlift, but anyway, it'd be good times. Thanks brothers. Appreciate it. All right. Well, y'all have a great day. And uh, as always, thanks for listening to the thriving in ministry podcast. Uh, have a blessed day. Here's how Daily Pastor supports church leaders. First, register your email to get access to our latest content. Second, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media. Third, get the encouragement and tools you need. This is a Thriving in Ministry podcast.